You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and before we jump into today's episode, I want to remind you that my Declutter Your Motherhood audio course is now for sale. And if you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, it's not too late to get the launch discounted pricing and special bonuses that end tomorrow, Tuesday, May 16th at midnight. If you're listening after the 16th, well, never fear. The course is still for sale for an incredible value, and you can find out more by going to 3in30podcast.com slash declutter. So what is this audio course all about? Well, as a mom, sometimes it might feel like your mind is an overstuffed closet. If you were able to peek in there, you'd see baskets full of expectations for yourself and shelves about to break from the weight of your mental load. If only you could hire a professional organizer to get in there and declutter all of that junk like they would a messy closet. Well, you can't hire someone else to get into your brain for you, but you can learn how to declutter your motherhood using the same steps that you'd use to organize a closet. I will teach you how. My brand new audio course is a step-by-step guide to help you inventory your overwhelm, edit your expectations, and make room for more joy. I designed this course with busy moms in mind, so it's 100% audio with no need to sit down at a computer or log in to watch a bunch of videos. You'll listen to the 10 info-packed lessons via a private podcast feed while you're on the go in the midst of your busy mom life. The course also includes a 25-page workbook to prompt deeper thinking and reflection so you can actually apply what you've learned after you listen. And you'll receive a buy one, give one buddy pass when you purchase the course so you can gift it to a friend or invite them to do it with you. I love this testimonial from Devin, a mom in Virginia who took the course. I had been feeling in a rut in my motherhood and my career, unsure of how I could feel fulfilled in both, and unsure if it was even possible. The course was so motivating and inspiring that before it was even over, I was making changes and reaching out to people who I knew could provide me with the support I needed. This course was a godsend to me. If you're feeling overwhelmed and weighed down by expectations in your motherhood, and you want to feel confident, clear, and connected to yourself and your children, Enroll in the Declutter Your Motherhood audio course today. To sign up, go to 3in30podcast.com slash declutter. That's 3in30podcast.com slash declutter. Welcome to 3in30, a podcast to help you feel more like yourself within your motherhood. Each 30-minute episode features three actionable takeaways to help you become a more self-assured mom, someone who knows yourself, honors your needs, and loves your people. Listen in to feel encouraged as we learn together how to overcome overwhelm and find more magic in motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. I'm so glad you're here. A few weeks ago, I shared a video on Instagram of my sink overflowing with dishes and pots and pans spreading across the counter, and I said, this is what my kitchen looks like right now, and it's the end of the day, and quite frankly, I don't have the energy to tackle this. I could force myself to, but what feels like the self-compassionate thing right now is to throw a few of these dishes into the dishwasher and just start it, and ignore the rest because I don't have the mental capacity to deal with this crusty cereal bowl right now or to do a bunch of hand dishes. Now, I tend to be an all-or-nothing person and a perfectionist, and it's sometimes hard for me to do a half-baked job, to just start the dishwasher even though I don't have everything in the dishwasher. But that is not helpful because tomorrow I can unload the clean dishes and have more energy to tackle the rest of this. So if you are an all-or-nothing thinker like me, here's my permission for you tonight 
you can start the dishwasher even if it's not full and leave the rest of the dishes in the sink until tomorrow. You don't have to end the day with a perfectly clean kitchen. And that was the end of my video on Instagram. This type of self-compassionate attitude has not always been easy for me to adopt, but it's become easier and easier as I've done lots of therapy and dug into the work of therapists I respect, such as my guest today. Casey Davis is a mom, therapist, and author. Her book, How to Keep House While Drowning, has sold over 160,000 copies and is an Amazon and U.S. Today bestseller. Shortly after Casey had her second baby, the world locked down from COVID and the stress of being postpartum during the pandemic soon sent her into postpartum depression. One glaring result of her struggle was that her house had become unmanageable. Having been a messy but functional person all her life, it was surprising to find that housework had suddenly exceeded her ability to cope. She began making TikTok videos about cleaning, cooking, and hygiene for all the other people that were struggling and shared the tips and life hacks that were helping her. Her online platform quickly built to over a million followers and her unique and compassionate approach to self-care resulted in a book and a podcast. Her tagline is simple, care tasks are morally neutral. You aren't failing, you're just having a hard time, and people who are having a hard time deserve compassion. They also deserve non-judgmental help and advice that works with their brains and lifestyle, instead of the cookie-cutter advice we so often get. Casey lives in Houston with her husband and their two daughters, age three and five. I can't wait for you to hear from this wise woman, so with no further ado, here's my conversation with Casey Davis. Casey, welcome to 3 and 30. I am so honored to interview you today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I have followed your work via Instagram for several years, and I truly mean it when I say that I think everyone listening to this podcast should read your book, How to Keep House While Drowning. It is exactly what we believe here in 3 and 30, practical takeaways with a lot of self-compassion. And I just love the compassionate voice that you are for people who are trying their best, just like we all are. And I love that you redefine housework as care tasks. And I just wanted to start by having a conversation about that before we even get to our takeaways. What are care tasks to you and how is it different from housework? So care tasks for me are a way of referring to housework and sort of your basic self-care tasks, dishes, feeding yourself, taking your meds, cleaning your house, hygiene. And it's a way of referring to it that reminds me that the only reason to be doing this task is to take care of myself because I am a person who deserves to be taken care of. It's to take the focus off of housework and cleaning being sort of like a measure to others of how well you have your stuff together or how good of a mom you are or whether you're succeeding or failing and kind of refocusing them about what they're really about. Yes. Oh, I love that. The idea that all of these tasks we're doing are to care for ourselves. And I love your message that care tasks are morally neutral. They don't make you a good person or a bad person. They're just to help you function in your life in the way that you want to and to help you have joy in your life. And so it's not just a checklist of house tasks to get done every day that are like, you're going to get a report card at the end. It's all about caring for yourself and your family and your home in the ways that feel good to you. Yeah. And part of that morally neutral message is that if you are struggling to do those things, that you are not struggling because of a moral failure. Mm -hmm. It's not because you're lazy or irresponsible or immature. 
as a therapist, I've never met someone who, after we really got to the bottom of why things were so difficult, found that it was like, oh, you're just a lemon. Like, you just suck. Mm -hmm. No, it's always some legitimate barrier related to stress or being overwhelmed or not having enough support, maybe mental health or physical health, maybe just a hard season of life. It's not about not being good enough. It's just about struggling with something that is morally neutral. Yes. Oh, amen to that. I feel like a lot of moms who listen to my podcast may struggle with feeling badly about themselves when they can't keep up with their house and their responsibilities. And the three takeaways that you're going to share today are going to be kind of a reframe for them to start to have a more compassionate inner voice around care tasks in their home. And so I would love if you could just start us with our first takeaway. Yeah, the first takeaway is change the meaning of mess. And I want to tell sort of a short story about this. The first TikTok that I ever posted was I was a few weeks postpartum and I was basically showing shots of the mess in my house. So the dishes in the sink, the laundry piled up to the ceiling, the clutter all over the floor. And there was this audio behind it that was like, this is basically what we're not going to do today. Mm -hmm. And I got a comment on it of someone that called me lazy. And I pushed back and I was like, well, you seem fun. And other people pushed back too. They were like, okay, you've obviously never had to like breastfeed a baby. It's really hard to get stuff done. And then she responded, well, I breastfed babies and I have a bazillion babies and I'm the most depressed person in the world and my home is still clean. And I remember that really feeling bad at the time. And fast forward two years and I'm about to walk on the stage of TEDx Mile High and give a TED Talk about how to keep house while drowning. And as I'm writing this speech for that, I go back, I replay the first TikTok. And I hadn't looked at him for so long because I just wanted to make sure I kind of got the story right and exactly what she said. And I noticed something I didn't notice before. There's a shot of the sink. For the first time, I really noticed that in the sink were pieces of the food processor. Mm -hmm. And like anyone who's ever used a food processor knows that like you get those out for very involved homemade from scratch meals. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, what in the world was I food processing at four weeks postpartum? Like, why was I doing that? Mm -hmm. And there was also an enchilada pit. I literally had made from scratch enchiladas. I'm talking stitches still in my vagina. <laughs> the one that hadn't even turned two and a newborn and the lockdown had just happened and I had made enchiladas from scratch. And I'm looking at this and all of a sudden I had these new pair of eyes where I was just immensely proud of that woman mm. for feeding her family. And I didn't care that there were dishes in the sink. It wasn't about how long the enchilada pan got left out. It was, wow, this is a woman who despite having gone through all of that, despite being in this spot of being overwhelmed and having a lot of do and struggling with breastfeeding and, and being a mom, made enchiladas for everybody. Yeah. And the opposite of lazy. All of those things yeah. in your sink were evidence of how lazy you actually were not Yeah, in caring for your family. But it just took seeing it in a new way to understand that. Yeah. And I don't want us to have to wait two years mm. to look back on ourselves with kinder eyes. Like at the time, all I could see was what I was not getting done. And so my practice now is to like when I see mess, when I see something where my head is going, oh, look what you didn't do. Look at that mess really taking a moment to challenge myself to change the meaning of that. Mm -hmm. So, wow, I fed my family today. Oh, crayon on the walls. I have such creative kids. And how great that my kids feel safe enough to make a mistake. Oh, yeah. 
I have a woman who's an alumni of my Declutter Your Motherhood course who I asked, what has changed for you since taking the course? And she sent back a little voice memo that was so touching, telling me that she has struggled to get her babies. So she struggled with infertility. She struggled with late-term miscarriage. She has one daughter living. And she says that since taking my course, she's tried to reframe. And she says, now when I look around at the mess, I see trails of Macy. And that's the name of her daughter. And she says, oh, there's another trail of Macy. And I'm so grateful that I have this miracle baby, this little girl. And instead of seeing all the mess, I see the trails of Macy. And that just touched me so deeply. I also struggled with infertility. And my son is adopted. And he is a scattered creative, and he is getting older. He's about to finish sixth grade, and I feel like as your kids get older, you start to sense the passage of time even more acutely, and I am so aware that I only have a few years left with this beautiful miracle boy in my home, and so sometimes when I walk in and I see the evidence of his experiments or the Legos all over the floor, I just take a deep breath and think, I'm so glad that I have this creative, genius little boy in my life. Now, I am going to teach him and hold him accountable and help him learn systems for picking up, but I'm so lucky to have this boy in my life. And seeing the mess that way has really changed it for me. Yeah, and I think you might be able to change the meaning to something that means something good about you. And then there will be other times where the meaning is, wow, I'm really having a hard time. Mm. Yes. And people that are having a hard time deserve compassion. And I'm people too. Like yes. we can look with tenderness on things that it's not about making everything sort of this toxic positivity. Like, yes. like it's not that, right? It's, wow, I'm having a hard time. Mm. And I deserve compassion and I need more help and support. And so I'm going to reach exactly. out and get that help and support. And you have so many practical tools and ideas in your book for how to do that if you realize you're at that place. But sometimes it does take seeing the evidence around you to even realize how much you're struggling and to have that compassionate voice with yourself. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I love this quote by therapist Dr. Julie Hanks. It's directed to parents and it says, make sure you include yourself in your circle of care. To me, this means to make sure that you care for yourself as thoughtfully as you care for everyone else in your family. But I know this is easier said than done as a busy mom. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. I'm continually so grateful to have a therapist to check in with regularly, and online therapy makes this even easier because I can fit it into my busy days without even having to leave home. If you think therapy would help you to prioritize your own care, Give BetterHelp Online Therapy a try. Just fill out their quick online questionnaire and you'll be matched with a therapist in about 48 hours. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash 3 in 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 in 30. This podcast is also sponsored by KiwiCo. As a kid, I vividly remember one day when my mom got us a cool art kit where my sisters and I gathered leaves from around the yard and laid them on a special paper in the sun. We were amazed when we removed the leaves and they'd left a sun print behind. This type of fun learning activity gave me confidence and excitement, and KiwiCo believes that every kid is naturally creative and curious, 
and that hands-on experiences build creative confidence and problem-solving skills that can change the world. KiwiCo delivers seriously fun, hands-on learning projects for kids right to your door. These projects are designed by a team of educators, makers, engineers, and rocket scientists who brainstorm hundreds of ideas to create the most exciting, age-appropriate, and educational projects. KiwiCo crates are perfect to keep on hand for summer when you have a long, boring day with nothing to do. Just pull out one of the boxes and do it with your child, or if they're old enough, let them do it by themselves, and you get an hour of downtime, which is always much needed for moms in the summer. One of my daughter Sally's favorite KiwiCo projects has been making her own bath bombs, and she did it all by herself. Redefine learning with play. Explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month, plus free shipping on any crate line at kiwico.com slash 3 and 30. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com slash 3 and 30. So what is your second takeaway for us? So my second takeaway is to focus on function and start breaking the rules. I think so many times we look around our house and we have this picture of what your house is supposed to look like instead of how it's supposed to function. So it's supposed to look like a clear sink, right? It's supposed to look like all of your clothes folded and put away. Instead of the function, you are supposed to have clean dishes to eat off of because you're a person that deserves clean dishes. You are a person that deserves clean clothes. And any way that you can create a ritual or a rhythm that produces clean clothes and clean dishes is okay. So for Mm. me... I realized really early on, like, I really get stuck at the period of folding clothes. Like, I can wash them, I can dry them, but I just get stuck. I put it off, I hate it, I avoid it, and then I have this huge mountain of laundry, and I don't know what's clean and what's dirty, and everything is wrinkled, and I don't know, I can't find anything. So I put my mind to figuring out a more functional way to do laundry, and I created a family closet where I moved everybody's clothes into one closet. I love it so much. And this is outside the box. You're breaking the rules a little bit. The rules that aren't even real, but, you know, in our minds, we're like, no, a family closet, you know, but tell us more about your family closet. Well, so I found myself taking newborn clothes to a newborn's closet and then taking a two-year-old's clothes to a two-year-old's closet. And I remember being like, this is absurdity. I am dressing all three of these people, myself and these two kids. Why am I having to move my little cohort of people to three different areas to dress everybody? And so I just put all of our clothes into our closet. Everybody goes in there in the morning and gets undressed and gets dressed. And then I actually had more storage space for other things in my home in their closets. I also stopped folding my clothes and just instituted a bin system where there's like Mm -hmm. a bin of clean underwear, a bin of clean shorts for me, a bin of clean pants. And I started hanging me and my husband's shirts because we cared about those being wrinkled. But everything else, I literally would sit on my butt with the pile of laundry And I could put everything away into these baskets unfolded. And were some Mm -hmm. things wrinkled? Yeah. But you know what? They were wrinkled before when they were in the giant pile. But now I've increased the function because it's getting put away. It's not on the floor. I know where things are. It's easier to find things. And I know exactly what's clean and what's dirty. And I can get my laundry done more quickly. And so that's an example of breaking the rules. And also just focusing Mm -hmm. on the function of things. I remember... My husband wakes up, we split the weekend where like I would wake up early with the kids on Saturday and he would wake up early with them on Sunday. And I was really bad about like cleaning up anything. (laughs) 
But I always, mm-hmm. always, always managed to motivate myself to clean at least a little bit of the kitchen on a Saturday night. Because I know how stressful it is to wake up and your kids are really hungry and they're crying and you're looking for the milk bottle and the milk cup and you're finding it under the couch with the curdled milk and now you're hand washing it and scalding hot water while they're, you know, holding on your ankles and crying and you're just like, wait. And you're trying to get a space on the counter to chop the strawberries. So I would go, okay, you know what, I'm just going to take 10 minutes and like find the milk cups and clear a little bit of the counter and make sure there's nothing to trip on because like I want my husband to be set up for success. You know, I would do this as a kindness to him. So you would do it for him so he would have a successful morning. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But then I had this like moment of, oh, when I look at a mess that I've made, when I'm the one who's going to be waking up in the morning, I look at it in almost like this backwards facing, like, oh, cleaning up is like a punishment for having lived in my home. Like, oh, I have to do that. But when I looked at it, when my husband was waking up, it was, this will be a kindness to him. And- I mean, Mm -hmm. I deserve that same kindness, too. I can do that for myself. I can look at my kitchen and know I don't have to clean the whole thing. It doesn't have to look nice. But I can go, what are three or four things that Mm. I can do that will set myself up for success in the morning, right? So I'm not scrubbing the stove. But if I took the trash out and I made sure that their milk cups were clean and I made sure that enough of the island was cleared and sanitized to make food in the morning... I would have a much smoother morning, and that would really set me up for success for the day. And so in that way, I'm focusing on functionally what do I need and not Mm. aesthetically what does it look like or judgmentally what am I supposed to be doing. And in that way, I'm sort of easing myself into this idea that they're care tasks. It's not about what people Mm. think or some external standard of measurement. It's just that me and my family, we deserve to function in our home. And any way that we can make that happen is acceptable. Yes, Absolutely. And I love you call these closing duties, right? The way that you sort of end your night. And when I listened to your book, I thought it was brilliant. You talked about how in a lot of other jobs, like in the restaurant business, you have a list of closing duties that you do when you're wrapping up work at the restaurant, or maybe when you're not actively waiting on somebody, you're rolling cutlery and napkins or different things to prepare for the main job, but you're getting everything prepped. And that you can do that in your home as well. I think that is brilliant. And I love, you always have this vein of self-compassion in your work. I loved this paragraph. I'm actually going to read to you directly from your book because I loved it so much. You said, the power in closing duties is the power of permission. Permission to care for tomorrow you without having to make things perfect or up to other people's standards. But closing duties are only powerful if you also have permission not to do them. The key is that while doing them is a way of taking care of tomorrow you, sometimes not doing them is a way of taking care of right now you. And I thought that was so beautiful because, yeah, there are some days when I'm like, I know tomorrow would be easier if I do these four things right now, but I can't. I literally can't. And so the compassionate thing is to go to bed right now. Most of the time I'll do my closing duties, but when I can't, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And I think part of focusing on function is also knowing that when you institute a ritual or a rhythm, that that might work for a season. And then you'll find yourself not doing it anymore. And then instead of being like, oh, I fell off the wagon again, just get curious. Why am I finding myself not doing this? Am I avoiding something? When you have kids, your seasons change. Like Mm -hmm. I did closing duties almost every night when I was a mom whose kids were not in school because that's what made sense. They went to bed at seven. I got a little time. 
Now both of my children are going to school and we moved into a different house. So my husband actually takes them to school in the morning and I pick them up, which is the opposite of what we used to do. Mm. So now what I find is that in the morning I'm up and I'm getting kids ready for school. And so because I'm up, I'm moving already, it's easy for me to immediately pivot into two other tasks to just kind of set something Mm. up for the day. Then I go and get them and I come home and I'm walking in the door and I'm on my feet and they're so happy to be home, they immediately run off and play independently for a few minutes. And then I take that opportunity to go and feed the cat, take out the trash, do a couple dishes. And I've sort of drifted away from closing duties since writing the book. Hmm. But that's just because I'm focusing on what's functional for me today in this season. And so now I'm sort of affectionately calling this the first 15. It's like Mm. the first 15 minutes that I wake up in the morning. I have like a little list that I do. I pack the lunches. I get the kids ready. I feed the cats. I take my meds. There's like one other thing that I can't remember because I have to write everything down. And then the first 15 when I get home after carpool, right? which is Mm -hmm. bringing in the bags, putting them away, making a snack, doing a little dishes. And it's okay. It's okay if you find yourself only using a system for a short period of time or for a long period of time. It's okay. We're naturally going to go through seasons of life where we need different types of routines. Yes, absolutely. Another thing that I love about your work that you emphasize that goes back to this point of breaking the rules is you can't save the rainforest when you're depressed. Can you tell us a little bit more about that concept? Yeah. So it was one of my very early videos. I was doing a video about how to clean your dishes when you have a sink full of dishes and you're overwhelmed. And so there were several little tips and tricks, but one of them was I pulled out this plastic container. It was full of food. And I said, you're going to come across something like this. And it will be moldy inside because you've put it off for so long. Here's what I want you to do. Throw it away. Okay? You can't (laughs) save the rainforest if you're depressed. And the point of that was environmentalism is really good. But a lot of times we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect that we end Mm. up arresting our own functioning. And it's better for you to throw away a moldy Tupperware a few times to get yourself to a place where you're functioning. Because when you're functioning, you'll be able to do things that matter much more. Like you'll be able to bike somewhere. You'll be able to break down that big cardboard box. You'll be able to purge your closet and get rid of something. Or you'll be able to take something in for a repair so you don't have to buy something new. You can do things that really impact environmentalism when you're a functioning person. But when you find Mm -hmm. yourself really, really struggling, sometimes the barrier between you and what you need to do to get to that functional place is like, oh, I'm such a bad person if I throw away this cardboard into the trash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or I'm a bad person if I run my dishwasher every night when it's not totally full. And yet I would function so much better if I had clean dishes in the morning. We Mm -hmm. need to be willing to break that rule, not because we don't care about the environment, because we do, but because functioning people can make more of an impact on the world than people who are really depressed because their depression is not being taken care of. They can't do the good that they want to do in the world. And so sometimes getting your physical space in a better state is what you need to start feeling better and to start caring for yourself better. And if you have to break a few rules to get there, then that's okay. Absolutely. And then what is your third takeaway for us on how we can sort of rethink chores and start to have more compassion as we're keeping house? So the third takeaway is that rest is a right and not a reward. And this really comes down to, I think most of us had that experience as children where our parents wanted to teach us responsibility and we were required to, you know, do your homework before you go play, clean your room before you go to the movies, do your chores 
before you can go and take a nap. Mm-hmm. And I don't even necessarily think there's anything wrong with that, but I think some of the ways that that gets twisted is that when you're a kid, your list of care tasks is a very finite list. Mm-hmm. Like you can finish them in a day and then go do whatever. And then we grow up and all of a sudden we find ourselves as mothers like the list of care tasks that need to be done in my life and my house never ends. Yes. Ever. Mm-hmm. And so if you still have that mindset that like the whole list has to be done before you can sit down and watch a movie, before you can take a nap, before you can play with your kids or just rest, you're never going to do any of those things Mm -hmm. because we're going to get held hostage by the anxiety that everything isn't done. There's more I could do. It doesn't look the way it's supposed to. And the reality is, is that you don't have to earn the right to rest or recreate, that those are needs, not luxuries. And you have to allow yourself to do them even if the list isn't done. And it's really powerful, too, because you mentioned I used to call them survival day closing duties. Mm -hmm. The nights when I didn't do my closing duties, where it was like some days I'll just do the bottles. Like getting out of that black and white thinking of I have to do it all or why do anything? I guess I'll just get in bed. And it's like, well, that's not restful either. Because if you're resting while feeling guilty for resting, you're not going to get rested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are those bare minimum things I can do so that I can truly rest and allow myself this compassionate inner voice that's telling myself it's okay to lay here right now? It's a major mindset shift for a lot of people to start to accept that rest is okay I loved in your book, you mentioned at least at that time that you and your husband would clock out at 730. Like you're done. That's the time when you're done with care tasks. Your kids were in bed early because they were younger and you would sit on the couch and watch something together and connect and have fun. And I love that idea of giving yourself an end time. Like I'll work hard, but then when this ends, like I'm going to rest. I think a lot of people could really benefit from that. And I have to tell you, Casey, I've had a hard week this week. I have anxiety, and normally it's pretty well managed. I take medication, I do therapy, I do all the things. But for some reason this week, I don't know why, it's flared up. And I automatically go to catastrophizing. And I'm like, Mm. I'm going to feel this way forever and spiraling. And I add so much suffering onto what I'm already experiencing. But I was rereading your book, and it just came at the best time for me personally to hear your words of wisdom. And you talked about a day when you and your girls watched Trolls like four times or five times because you just weren't doing well. And you're like, okay, it's a Trolls day and we're staying in our pajamas. You said, I went to bed at seven with my daughters. And when I woke up the next day, I felt a lot better and I could move forward because I hadn't heaped shame on myself all day the day before because I recognized I needed to rest that day for whatever reason. And I often want to find the reason. I need to find a reason where I'm like, okay, this is understandable or excusable because this Mm -hmm. hard thing is happening. I can rest versus having this mindset of I don't know why I'm struggling right now, but I am and I can rest and it's okay. And I don't need to heap this shame on top of what I'm already feeling. And so your permission to rest really helped me this week. So I just want to say thank you for that. I'm so glad. You know, the other thing that can really help me, because I resonate with this idea of like, I have to find a legitimate reason to rest. Yes. yes. And, you know, it's like, well, I just went through something really hard so I, I can rest now. Sometimes it helps me to remember if I didn't just go through something hard, like the hard thing might be tomorrow. Mm. The hard thing might be next week. The hard thing might be in a month. And I'll be better equipped to handle that and move through it in a way that is functional for me and my family 
if I'm not burnt out mm-hmm. and allowing myself those times. And as a mother, clocking out at 7.30 was really important, especially as a stay-at-home mom, because you kind of feel like your quote-unquote job never ends. Mm-hmm. And now, fast forward, they're in school, I'm working from home, but now I'm finding that because of this new season, if I want times where I'm quote-unquote off the clock, because they're older and they're staying up a little and my husband works a little bit later, I'm having to take a couple of hours in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it feels guilty because it's like, well, we're paying for them to be at school so I can work and uh, I really should be doing something productive. And it's like, no, not only is it productive to rest, but it doesn't have to be productive to rest. Like I'm still a human being. And when I've embraced that, I feel like I'm a better mom now and I feel like I'm enjoying my kids a lot more because I'm giving myself permission to not always have to quote unquote do 100 percent. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Well, this has been such a powerful conversation, and I so appreciate your message. I hope that everyone listening will get your book, How to Keep House While Drowning, and you also have a podcast and lots of other things. So tell us a little bit about your work and where they can find you. Sure. The easiest way to find everything is on my website, which is strugglecare.com. From there, you can get to my podcast, which is also called Struggle Care. It's on all the platforms as well. My book, you mentioned How to Keep House While Drowning. I have a shop with some downloads and some courses, and I'm on TikTok as Domestic Blisters, Mm -hmm. and I'm on Instagram as Struggle Care. All right. Well, thank you so much, Casey, for all of the work that you're doing in the world and for coming on 3 and 30 today. Thank you. Did your soul breathe a sigh of relief as you listened to that compassionate wisdom? I know mine did, especially after the hard week I've had. So as a recap, here are Casey's three takeaways for rethinking housework in a more self-compassionate way. First, change the meaning of mess. Try to look at the mess in your house through different eyes. Can you find evidence of things that are good about you or your life? You fed your family. Your kids are creative and you allow them to be. You live a rich life full of the expected evidence of a rich life. You can also look at the mess through an honest but compassionate lens of, I see that I am really struggling right now. And people who are struggling deserve compassion. There's evidence here that I need more support, and I'm going to seek it. This is very different from looking around your house and seeing it as evidence that you are lazy, broken, or a loser. Second, focus on function and start breaking the rules. We make up all sorts of rules about how a house should run. But when we start thinking about what could make our house function better for us, we come up with lots of creative solutions. I love Casey's idea of a family closet or of a no-fold laundry system. I love her reminder that you can't save the rainforest when you're depressed, and if you need to run the dishwasher every night or use paper plates once in a while or throw away the Tupperware that's full of mold so that you can get to a better place of functioning, that is absolutely allowed. I love this passage from her book. Quote, Realistically, when you are struggling to function, you are not choosing between recycling and not recycling. You are choosing between letting the cardboard pile up and staying paralyzed or throwing the cardboard out and being able to get unstuck enough to move forward. Either way, recycling isn't getting done that day. However, if you sacrifice a few weeks of cardboard, you may well have a chance at gaining a functioning human being capable of engaging in and making a difference in important causes like environmentalism. Yes, this is so true. And then third and finally, rest is a right, not a reward. If we are waiting to rest until all of our care task responsibilities are complete, we will never rest. Because as adults, the tasks involved in caring for ourselves and our families are literally never-ending. 
We have to give ourselves permission to rest, not because we earned it, not because we are having a really hard time for a supposedly good enough reason, but because we are human and humans need rest. I want to end by reading you the last few sentences of Casey's life-changing book. Quote, You do not exist to serve your space. Your space exists to serve you. Care tasks exist for one reason only, to make your body and space functional enough for you to easily experience the joy this world has to offer. End quote. Yes, you deserve joy, my friends. I so respect that Casey has made this a central tenet of her work, and it is also a central tenet of mine. This is the reason I created my Declutter Your Motherhood audio course, which released last week. This course will help you make space for more joy in your life, as well as rethink the shoulds and the rules you have for yourself. Yes, we even talk about housework and expand on some of the ideas that Casey and I touched on in this episode. The course will be for sale forevermore, but if you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, our special launch pricing and bonuses end tomorrow. So don't wait. Go to 3in30podcast.com slash declutter to learn more. As always, my friends, I'm rooting for you, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.